0: on October the 27th, 1633, just across the Charles River from Boston, in the fledgling Massachusetts Bay Colony, the Little Puritan and Pilgrim Congregation at Newton, since renamed Cambridge, held a day of fasting and prayer. At the end of the day, they chose Thomas Hooker to be their pastor Hooker had only arrived in the colony the previous month, but his zeal for the doctrines of grace and his pastoral qualifications had been amply demonstrated during years of difficult service back in England and during his exile in Holland. Born in 1586 in Leicestershire, Hooker studied theology at Cambridge University and became a popular lecturer and an able assistant to the rector of the parish church in Chelmsford. Though Hooker accepted most of the doctrines of the Church of England, he did not believe its formal liturgical rituals or its hierarchical episcopal ecclesiology were biblical. In other words, he was a Puritan dissenter when it came to worship and church government. He was firmly committed to the Reformation doctrine of sola scriptura over and against mere tradition. He wrote a widely circulated pamphlet entitled, A Fresh Suit Against Human Ceremonies in God's Worship. Not surprisingly, then, In 1630, he came under the discipline of Archbishop William Laud, a fierce persecutor of nonconformity. When he was summoned to appear before the dreaded Royal High Commission, Hooker fled to Holland, where he preached to congregations of exiled English Puritans and Scottish Covenanters in both Delft and Rotterdam— he became an assistant to the renowned William Ames, the author of the landmark Puritan systematic theology, Medulla Theologiae, or the Marrow of Theology. In 1633, Hooker, along with the Puritan preachers, uh, including John Cotton and uh, Samuel Stone, fled to America aboard the merchant placket, the HMS Griffin. When the three prominent men arrived in Boston in September, several Puritans jokingly quipped that they now had cotton for their clothing, hooker for their fishing, and stone for their building. It was not surprising that the Newton congregation so quickly chose hooker as their pastor. In Massachusetts, however, Hooker began to question the form of government that had been established by the Bay Company legislature. He questioned the validity of a church covenant forming the basis for a civil government. His sticking point was simply that he did not believe that participation in the government should be solely limited to church members. Rather, he asserted that all civil government should be based on voluntary submission to a biblical civil covenant, just as churches were established on a biblical ecclesiastical covenant. In other words, he held to a form of sphere sovereignty with checks and balances and separation of powers. The foundation of government, he thought, lay in the free choice of the people who were to choose public officials according to God's will and law. Hooker's views on government were thus much more democratic than those espoused by the leaders of the Massachusetts colony. Eventually, because of the tensions these differences began to stir up among prominent Puritans, Hooker peacefully left Newton with his fellow pastor Samuel Stone and John Hayes, who had previously served as the governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony, and more than a hundred members of their Newton congregation. They ventured south and west into the New England wilderness, down the Connecticut River and over to the little Dutch settlement of Fort Hoop. On the opposite side of the Park River tributary of the Connecticut from the fort, they established the town of Hartford. In 1638, leaders from two other nearby Connecticut villages, Windsor and Weatherford, met together in Hartford to discuss the possibility of forming some sort of a confederated government. In a sermon preached to the assembly to their general court, Hooker maintained that the foundation of government authority is laid in the free consent of the people that the choice of public magistrates belongs unto the people by God's own allowance— He took as his text Deuteronomy one thirteen, "Take you wise men with understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you," says the Lord. Inspired by Hooker's sermon, the magistrates of the three communities hammered out a pact, which would bind them together for the common good. The document consisted of a preamble and 11 principled orders, or laws. The preamble was a covenant, a civil equivalent of the biblical church covenants that then served as the foundation for all Puritan organizations. This covenant committed the three towns to be governed in all civil matters by the rule of law rather than the rule of men, by the standard of the orders. The pact called for the convening of general courts, as the legislature was called, every April and September. At the April court, a governor and six magistrates were to be elected. Term limits were imposed on all offices. So, for instance, no man could serve as governor more than once every two years. To prevent hasty, ill-considered choices, nominations for election were made at the September general court by the deputies from each town. The governor and magistrates who composed the nucleus for an upper house were to be elected by the freemen at the court of election. The orders prescribed regulations for nominations and elections, and set forth conditions for calling the general court into special sessions. No theological test was established for voting. The orders omitted all reference to the authority of the crown, and the general court was given supreme civil authority over the towns and their inhabitants." The pact authorized the adoption and repealing of laws, the imposition of taxes, the distribution of land, the apprehension and punishment for misdemeanors, and the enactment of legislation to promote the general good. The general court was thus granted all legislative, executive, judicial, and administrative authority in the civil realm. On January 14, 1639, The Connecticut General Court adopted these fundamental orders, the first written constitution in America, and an important step in the land's great experiment in liberty. It proved to be a seminal expression of both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information, And for resources, go to georgegrant.net or to adoringgod.org.